any act of courage that is not done by faith in God is not God-honoring courage. Because whatever is not from faith is sin. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. All right. So like Jesse said, um, I know some of you guys have been here a couple years before. And then uh, that whole COVID thing happened. And it's been, what, 2020 was the last time I was here. Uh, so it's good to see some familiar faces, it's good to see new faces. Um, so I do pastor a church, and I love preaching, uh, but I also love just uh, interaction. So at any point, feel free to shout out questions, thoughts. I like to engage. I'm a verbal processor, so you're not going to throw me off. Uh, so would love uh, to, to do that. Uh, but before we do so, let me pray for specifically for this message now. Father God, we come before you in the powerful name of of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask here and now that as we open your word and as we seek to understand what you have called us to, that you would incline our hearts to yours. All of us have had uh, various things this week that could be distractions. We have responsibilities. We have worries, fears, doubts, uh, a multitude of things. We ask that you would clear those things away and that you would focus our hearts and our minds here and now, heavenward, that you would open our eyes, that we would see your wondrous glory in your word, and that as a group of men bought by the blood of Christ, you would unite our hearts together here to both fear and cherish your name, that we would truly be satisfied with your love for us, and that you would lead us into all truth in a world permeated by lies. May the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, and we ask here and now, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can, and that is take the heart of man and conform it into the image of Christ. And if there is a man here this evening who is not a follower of Christ, that you would take hold of his sinful heart, that you would breathe life into it, and that he would find faith in Jesus. We pray these things in the glorious name of Christ. Amen. So G.K. Chesterton said the following, quote, Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of readiness to die, end quote. Justin spoke and hit on some of the things that I'll say here in the beginning. But there's something about that quote, there's something about courage, valor, bravery that resonates deeply in the heart of men. We are drawn to stories that embody that. Men will weep and be drawn and watch and watch again movies like Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan. Men who normally don't read will pick up the book Endurance and they'll read it, cataloging the courage on that voyage to Antarctica by Ernest Shackleton. uh, Mastering Commander. Even cheesier things like, like Rambo. All right? We, we resonate with that more recently, terminalist, right? The courage and the manhood and the bravery of James Reese. We are drawn to those things. And that's not by accident. It's because God himself has hardwired courage, valor into the DNA of men. 
This is why our society wants to erase manhood. Because then society will be gripped by fear and controlled by the evil one. So in our short time today, this evening, what I want us to see is that from the very beginning, men were created by God to act courageously and through faith in Christ, the ability to be men of courage has been redeemed. And I'll unpack this a little bit more, but I'm going to make the distinction during our time together between an act of courage and being a man of courage. The difference between the action and the attribute. So the first thing, our first point this evening that I want us to see is that there's a connection between manhood and between courage. So we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 where Justin was at. And we could do a long, long exposition here, but I just want us to briefly look at this. Let's read again what 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. As was said previously, some translation render it, be courageous. Also notice it's a command, not a suggestion. It carries the sense of possessing certain qualities that are specifically befitting a grown man, a mature man. It wasn't saying back then, as Justin outlined, that women couldn't display courage. But it was a characteristic of a grown, mature man to be courageous. You couldn't be a grown man and be a coward. You wouldn't be seen as a man. We see aspects of this throughout the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or in dread of them. For Yahweh your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Command to the men. First Chronicles chapter 28. Verse 20. Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for Yahweh God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of Yahweh is completed. And then 1 Kings chapter 2 has a very powerful verse regarding this. 1 Kings 2, verse 2. This is David speaking to his son Solomon as he's on his approaching death. I am going the way of all the earth, so you shall be strong and be a man. He's calling Solomon, his son, to courageously go and do and lean into all that's going to come, all the difficulties, because his dad's not going to be there anymore. That verse resonates deeply with me as I'm raising my son. 
I've raised two daughters while raising two daughters. I got a 19-year-old in college. Got a 15-year-old in high school. But raising this little boy to be a man, that was different. I was to protect these girls. But I'm raising him to be something, to be a man, to be a protector, to display certain attributes, to slay dragons. Or as David says, to be a man. And God's word connects this idea of manhood with courage and valor. And I want us to see that this is how it was when God created Adam. So let's turn to that first book of our Bible, Genesis. And I want you to turn specifically to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then Yahweh, God, took the man and set him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. That word keep is very important. The Hebrew word there is shamar, and that's important because it carries the sense of protecting, guarding, to keep watch over. I often say regarding this verse, God created Adam to be a gardener and a guardian, a worker and a warrior. An aspect of what Adam was to do was to rightfully be courageous and protect what God had entrusted to him, a wife in all of this creation. There's no such thing as a cowardly protector. That word for keep is used in Genesis chapter 3, the next chapter over at the end there. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned in every direction to guard, shamar, the way to the tree of life. See, when God put Adam in the garden and said to work and to keep, our ears should perk up because it's anticipating that there is going to be a conflict that's going to arise where Adam is going to have to display courage. And that conflict is when that slithering serpent comes in and starts talking to his bride. At that very moment, conflict ensued. Courage is required, but Adam is silent. Because Adam is silent... His wife is deceived, and he falls into a deeper cowardice, and he sins against the Lord. God made men courageous because men were created for conflict. By virtue of being a man made in the image of God, you are supposed to be a man of valor, a man of courage, a man of bravery. That's a non-negotiable. To not be those things is to be in rebellion to how God created you to be. So I want to define terms here for a moment. I want to give a working definition of courage, of valor here. Um, and I want to make something clear. 
God in his common grace has allowed men who do not have faith in Christ to be very courageous at times. We see that in all different ways. A car accident happens and a man jumps out and he goes to see if someone's okay. A flood happens and you see men go in there and they're carrying out children. You see this in the armed forces. You see it as well as in the common grace, an unbelieving man loving and caring for his wife, his children. But they don't have abiding courage. Because apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that characteristic, that attribute of courage is a broken one. It is only by faith in Christ that the very perfected courage of Jesus himself is given to us. So there are men who display courage, but only men through Christ can truly be courageous. Here's a working definition I have for, for courage. The spirit-empowered ability to act decisively and boldly, no matter the circumstances, in the face of evil or adversity, trusting God will strengthen and sustain you because you're united to him by faith. Let me repeat that. Courage the Spirit-empowered ability to act decisively and boldly no matter the circumstances, in the face of evil or adversity, trusting God will strengthen and sustain you because you are united to Him by faith. You see, the, the man who doesn't have faith in Jesus and tries to act courageously, he's doing it on his own strength. So though his action might be a civil good, although his action might be courageous outwardly, it's inwardly going to what Justin was talking about, trying to rob God. So it's not true courage. It's a stolen form of courage. So the true courage must come from the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17, very, very famous account here, David and Goliath. It's amazing nobody's doing an actual session on it. I think maybe we all assumed the other guy would do it. But David and Goliath, an amazing narrative of this type of courage. David, the youngest of the sons, doesn't really seem to be the kind of man at this point that you would assume to be courageous and warrior-like, but he steps onto the scene. He understands that there's this giant Philistine and all of Saul's men and all of Saul's army and all of David's brothers are terrified and paralyzed by their fear. Verse 26, Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who strikes down the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should reproach the battle lines of the living God? Notice David's focus, the living God. Verse 36. Your servant has struck down both lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has reproached the battle lines of the living God. 
Here's David. He's about to step into this conflict. He's about to display courage. But notice, his courage is connected to his awareness of who God is. And then verse 45, here's little David before giant Goliath. And what does he say? Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of the battle lines of Israel, whom you have reproached. This day, Yahweh will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. David is displaying immense trust that God will strengthen and sustain him to carry out this act of courage for the glory of God. He's operating by faith. Any act of courage that is not done by faith in God is not God-honoring courage. Because whatever is not from faith is sin. Now that word strength that I used in the definition, it's interesting because throughout the Old Testament, you'll see the word valiant or valor. If you do a word study on that, you see that it carries the idea of strengthening. So valiant men are men strengthened by God acting for God. So let's just stop for a moment. I want you to consider it. Again, feel free to shout out and talk. As you think about your own life and how you're trying to be a man of, of valor, a man of courage, how often are you thinking about being that man because you're fully dependent and trusting on who God is for you in and through faith in Christ? Or do you feel like, I just got to man up? It can actually be rightly said, who saw, anybody here see the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Amazing movie. This man, he's a pacifist, uh, not pacifist, a uh, conscious objector. He doesn't carry a weapon, so he's a medic. He goes out there into the battle lines, dragging men back, performing first aid, carrying no weapon. His courage is amazing, but what compels him is his faith in God. It can actually be rightly said, the man who jumps in an octagon and fights another man, that takes a level of courage. But the man who sits there and prays for God to tear down strongholds, that man is actually displaying a truer sense of courage. Because what he's doing, he's doing with a focus on God, dependence on Christ, and for the kingdom. So just be thinking within, as we're, as we're working through this in your own heart, has your understanding of valor, of courage, of bravery been done with Christ in view? Or have you taken your cues more from the culture and the likes of a Jocko Willink, a Tim Kennedy and those guys? I think it goes without saying the most courageous man to ever walk the earth was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't go around just wrecking people. There was a quiet but lion-like strength about him. 
And he did everything he did to the glory of the Father, for the will of the Father. You want to be a man of courage? Know the will of God, obey the will of God, and make known the will of God to others. This is why a guy who weighs 115 pounds wears khakis to cover up his belly button and plays Dungeons and Dragons, but faithfully disciples his parents, is more courageous and more of a man than the guy who benches 450 and has a beard and is just all the time, drinks craft IPAs. No, that other guy's more courageous and more a man. Why? Because he's seeking the face of God. He's depending upon God and he's acting in obedience to his creator and redeemer. Adam failed at every level in Genesis 3 to display the courage that God had created him to display. Instead of acting in courage, Adam chooses cowardice. Go to Genesis 3, right? We We see it unfold. It's almost like this slow motion train wreck we see. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which Yahweh God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the tree of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat from it, and you shall not touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise, so she took from its fruit and she ate. Where is her husband this entire time? He is asleep at the watchtower. He is not acting in courage. Verse 6 ends. She also, and she gave also to her husband who was with her and he ate. How much more of a coward do you have to be than to see this serpent come on up usurp the headship roles, start talking to the wife instead of talking to me. The first, word, the first question in the Bible comes from the serpent and it's to, to lay doubt to the word of God and you're just sitting there passively doing nothing. Adam has abdicated all courage at this moment. Adam was called courageously to obey the will of God, not eat of the tree, to protect He failed. To perform the work given, to work and to keep, to maintain the order and purity of the garden, he did not. To love his bride, he did not. He hated her. There was no courage anywhere in this. He did not act in courageous love to his wife. But there is a second Adam. Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Who knew no sin. Adam was to obey God's will and failed. The Lord Jesus Christ knew no sin. He obeyed the will of the Father perfectly. 
temptation thrown before him, courageously says, not going to do it, not happening. It is, have you not read? It is written. Not only does he obey God's will perfectly, he accomplishes all the work that he was given to do. He courageously says, no matter what, I'm not getting distracted. I'm not faltering. My eye is set. My path is charted. I'm locked in. No matter what gets thrown at me, no matter the accusations, the slurs, no matter the insults, no matter the physical beatings, no matter the crucifixion, I will accomplish the work that the Father has given to me. Have you ever thought the courage it took Christ simply to go through day-to-day life? I think about the fact that in the garden, John 17, right, in the garden of Gethsemane, on the eve of his crucifixion, he knows what's going to happen. He knows that his closest companions for three years are going to abandon him. He knows that he's going to be mocked, flogged, speared, crucified. He knows that his mother is going to have to see this. He knows that he'll be stripped naked and be a shame, a curse before the people of Israel. He knows that he'll be crucified along two criminals. Not one of us in here would not have found a way to get out of that. But not our Lord. Our Lord steps forward in courage. Not my will. Your will be done. Listen to what it says in John chapter 8, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. No matter what it's going to cost me, I will act decisively. I will act boldly. No matter what evil adversity comes to do what God has called me to do because I always do the works of the Father. Courage. Courage even in the mundane. Courage even, not just the big moments. Do you realize there's about 30 years of silence of Jesus' life courageously in the mundane, does exactly what pleases the Father. Because there is no mundane moment in the economy of God because our God sees everything. Therefore, every moment matters, and every moment is a moment to courageously walk in the will of God. But not only does the Lord Jesus Christ perfectly obey God's will, Not only does the Lord Jesus Christ perfectly accomplish all the work that God has given him, two things that Adam didn't do, but the third thing Adam didn't do, Jesus does also. Jesus courageously loves and protects his bride. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25 and 26. 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Jesus courageously takes 
and confronts and steps into all the adversity and conflict possible. Why? Because I'm going to protect my bride. And I'm going to maintain, make sure that she's pure and spotless and blameless so that I can present her to my father in her splendor. I don't care what it costs me. Do you realize the courage of Christ there? How many of us are that courageous with our brides at home? I'm not talking when somebody knocks on the door in the middle of the night and you got to pull your Glock out. Okay, great. I'm not talking about that kind of courage. That's obvious. How many of you guys let your wife watch smut on TV? Just think about it. How, much you, how many of you guys watch garbage with your wife on TV? You're not courageously protecting her from perversion. You're doing the same thing Adam did. Hey, look at that fruit right there. I'm going to eat it with you. The Lord Jesus Christ courageously endured everything for the holiness of his bride. He is our example of perfect courage. You can't ever talk about true courage without talking about Jesus. John and myself served in the military, in the army. Think about the army values, right? The warrior ethos. I will always place the mission first. I'll never accept defeat. I will never quit. I'll never lead a fallen comrade. If you think about those long enough, you see the biblical foundations within those. Because at its core, humanity cannot talk about these beautiful virtues of courage and valor without coming from God's playbook. Jesus is the picture of courage. Jesus was courageous where Adam was a coward. So the question all of us have to ask ourselves is are we walking in the courage of the second Adam or are we walking in the cowardice of the first Adam? That's heavy stuff. And those courageous battles are not the battles we always think they are. Sure, it takes courage to make sure, you know, to speak out against whatever cultural stupidity is happening. Sure. You know what takes courage? Man, I'm not really pouring into my wife and into my children spiritually as I should. I'm going to change careers, even though it means we have to do with less, so that I can make eternal investments into my family. That's super courageous and super hard. You know what? Me and my wife are both working, and I see her faith shriveling up because she's working so hard, and we're so consumed by the fear of paying bills. We're not going to trust God. We're just going to have her put more hours in. Instead of saying, you know what? Take less hours, hon, because I need to see you thrive spiritually. We're going to trust God to provide, even if I have to take more on. That's courage. I totally lost my cool with my kid. It's uncomfortable for me to go tell him, look him eye to eye, I'm sorry, I love you. No, courageous confession. Courage, the, the courage that God is asking for is beyond just the superficial, top-tier level courage that we talk about in the culture. The courage to pray and intercede for people. The courage to, to pray bold prayers. Here's a prayer. You know how much courage it would take to say this? God, I deeply desire for the salvation of my children, of my family, of my friends. Lord, what, 
whatever you have to bring into their life, do it. That's a courageous prayer because God, God we, look what he did to Job. Look what God does. More often than not, our, our prayer life starts courageously and starts moving toward cowardice the older we walk with, the longer we walk with the Lord. I remember being in Bible college in my room late at night just saying, God, I want to stay so close. Lord, even if you have to kill me, kill me so that I can stay close to Christ. Courageous prayer that I don't pray as often as I should anymore. Do you see how we lack true courage? Jesus is courage. Father, glorify yourself in me. Do you realize how, Christ, how the God the Father glorified himself in the life of God the Son? A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, despised, stricken, not esteemed by anybody. Men, we have to be men of valor, men of courage, in the small and in the big but we have to make sure that our courage is done by faith, that God will strengthen and sustain us. And we have to make sure that every act of courage we do is done with a focus, first and foremost, for the glory of God. If not, it's cosmic plagiarism. A coward will take the credit from someone else. You do what you do and you do it courageously so that Christ could be magnified, not you. So where do we get this type of courage from? We can say, yeah, by trusting in God, but what are, let's drill down a little bit more. What are the actual sources of courage we could begin to lean into? Courage is cultivated with good doctrine. The more you properly know who God is, the more courageous you can be. So source of courage, number one, the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is a necessary doctrine to understand if we are to be courageous. 2 Samuel chapter 10. Verse 12. Be strong and let us sow strength for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God, and may Yahweh do what is good in his sight. When you really recognize that God is in control of all things and that God is working all things for his glory, then you can courageously give yourself no matter what happens because you know God is working it for his purposes. You don't have to do a risk assessment when it comes to courageously doing things for God. You don't have to determine the ROI on should I do this act of courage for God. No, God will always do what is pleasing in his sight. So when it's put before me, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to step in courage no matter how hard it is. Because God's purposes cannot fail. When you know in your heart of hearts that God's purposes cannot fail, then you can be courageous because you don't need to know how it turns out. When you know your eternity is set, when you know God, well, we'll see in a second, God is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. 
when you know that God has it already planned out from beginning to end, what's there to be scared of? What's there to be paralyzed by? Fear, fear that takes away your ability to act courageously, often what it does is you forget truth. Fear wants you to forget truth. God is sovereign. That'll put some steel in your spine. You're immortal. Somebody, I don't know which Puritan said it, that you're immortal until your work is done. There could be a minefield out there and you can just go running up and down, up and down, up and down all day long and you actually don't have to worry about whether you're going to die or not because God has already determined. If God doesn't want you to die that day, it doesn't matter how many times you run up and down that field. It's not going to happen. But if God wants you to die, you could be brushing your teeth, slip, crack your head in the toilet, and die in the, kitchen, in the bathroom. God is sovereign. That is a foundational truth to know to be a man of courage. Source of courage number two, God has forgiven you if you are a follower of Christ. Listen to Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. I want you to think about this. Your biggest problem in life if you're a follower of Christ, was the fact that there was once a time that your sin separated you from God and the wrath of God abided upon you. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your biggest problem in life was taken care of, your sin was forgiven, your spot in God's eternal kingdom was secured. And so when you and I know that we are forgiven, when you and I know that no matter what happens in this life, the greatest good is still to come. The greatest comfort has been given. How can we not give ourselves to be men of valor, men of courage? When you feel fearful, what should, I don't know if I can do this. What's going to happen to me? I'm forgiven. I'm eternally secure. I have a place in the kingdom. I will behold the beauty of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I can take that first step of courage now. The worst that happens in this life is I die. Death becomes a doorway to take me into that better life to come. So when you know God is sovereign, when you know you're forgiven, man, all of a sudden you start feeling your chest getting a little bigger. I'm getting courageous now. Third source of courage. God is with you. God is with you. I'm a gun guy. I love guns. When I leave my house without my sidearm, I feel a little, a little bit exposed. But when I have it right there, I feel, I feel a little more courageous. No matter what happens, I'm good. Why? Because I got that firepower there. I, I got the ability to, to hold my own. God forbid something happens. 
Most guys feel more confident carrying a firearm as a source of courage than the fact that the eternal, omnipotent God of the universe is always with them. Listen to Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be in dread or dismayed. For Yahweh, your God, is with you wherever you go. God is with us right here in this room. God is with my wife all the way back in McHenry, Illinois. God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. Do you know what kind of courage that is? I have the God of the universe with me right here, right now. Matthew chapter, oh, sorry, Psalm 23. Beautiful psalm used for comfort for the saints throughout the ages. But specifically verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The darkest alley of life that you can walk down, the bleakest moment you find yourself in, you can still have courage because God is with you. He has not abandoned you. You can stare cancer dead in the eye and say, do your best. You can go through the death of a loved one. You can be deployed. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you look to God as a source of courage? Do you look at the very presence of God in your life as a source of courage? Or are you trying to manufacture it by carnal means? In Matthew 1.23, they say that his name will be Emmanuel, speaking of Jesus. What does Emmanuel mean? Somebody shut it out. God is with us. His very name testifies to that truth. Matthew 28, 28 verses 18 through 20, the great commission to go make disciples. It ends with a promise. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can Discipleship is an act of courage that you can have confidence in because God is with you. We so often forget that God is with us. One of the most foolish questions can be, a Christian can ask, and I know where it comes from, from an affection, from our emotions, God, where are you? He's right here. He hasn't gone anywhere. So often we think in, the, in those moments, fear or sadness or something hits us, and we start, God, where are you? Open your eyes. Take heart, O Christian. Emmanuel, God with us. Have courage. You notice that when you really believe this stuff, it changes trajectories of lives. Of lives. I think about this a lot raising my son. I mention this all the time. I never wanted a son. I wanted daughters. I was terrified to have a son. When my wife was, when we were in the hospital, we were, we were at the doctor's office, about to find out whether we were having a boy or a girl, I was praying, Lord, give me another daughter, please. Let me go three for three with the ladies here. Because the idea of having a son and raising him to be a man terrified me. What do I know about raising a man? Barely know what it means to be a man at this point. I was forgetting 
I wasn't the one necessarily having to raise him and figure it out on my own. God was with me. God has given me his word. God has given me his spirit. God has given me his presence. What I need to do is guide my son to God. Now I don't have to, gu- I don't have to tell my son what it means to be a man of my own. I don't have to figure this out and devise it. I was full of cowardice rather than courage because I wasn't thinking and focusing my mind on truth. God is sovereign. God is forgiven. God is with us. God is in you. Right? Let's take it even a step further. Let's go deeper. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the third member of the Trinity indwells you. The same Holy Spirit that filled the Lord Jesus Christ in his entire life in the Garden of Gethsemane as he walked the Via Della Rosa, as he hung suspended on the cross, as the wrath of the Father poured down him, that same Spirit that strengthened and sustained him is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. If that Holy Spirit can give Christ that type of strength, the Holy Spirit can give you that kind of strength and courage. The problem isn't that we don't have it. The problem is we don't believe it and apply it. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity. Because the God of courage lives in you. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed earnestly, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with confidence. Confide, with faith. That's what confidence means. Courage. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit of God. First John chapter 4, verse 4. First John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you realize how courageous, how valiant you can be? There is nothing in the world that can overcome you because the Spirit of God who lives in you is greater than the entire forces of the world aimed against you. If Satan, in all of his minions, aimed their arrows at you, it is still pales in comparison to how great the one who is in you. He has overcome them. When you recognize that God's Holy Spirit lives in you, how can you not feel the courage? So often a lack of courage comes from a lack of knowledge of the Word of God. Colossians 1.29 Not only is the Spirit of God in you, but He works through you 
For this purpose I also labor, striving according to His working, which He works in me in power. Men, so often we waver, we get cowardice because we're basing it on our abilities, on our strength, on our natural constitution. But the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and He is the one working through you when you submit yourself to Him. When you are in submission to God, you need not fear. You can be courageous because God is the one that will work through you and strengthen and sustain you and accomplish His will. How often do you think about I mean, the Holy Spirit especially in reform circles, often ends up the most neglected member of the Godhead. We're big, we make a lot about Jesus. We even talk about the Father, but the Spirit of God, we, just, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Do you know how much more courageous and unstoppable the men of God would be across the globe if we really took to heart what God said, that the Holy Spirit lives in us and works through us? We'd be like David and we would stare down Goliath. No fear. I can't lead my wife. You're right, you can't, but submitted to God, the power of the Holy Spirit working in you can lead your wife. Can't disciple my children. You're right, you can't. But in submission to God and his word by the power of the work in the spirit, you can. I can't. Stop with the I can't. You're right, you can't do anything. You're nothing but cowardice. I'm nothing but cowardice. But by faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in me, works through me, and I can be a man of courage now because the courage of Christ has been given to me. Lastly, source of courage, God is for you. I want you to hear this. This is important, guys. God is for you. And I want to just quickly walk through the last half of Romans 8 in shotgun style. Turn with me to Romans 8. Romans 8, perhaps the most glorious chapter in the entire New Testament. And I want us, starting at verse 28 and working through the rest of the chapter, I want us to see the courage that comes when we realize how God is for us. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. You can walk in courage because the sovereign God of the universe is working everything for His glory and your good. Everything. That's a, he's not qualifying it. Everything. I can step courageously forward. God has ordained this for my good. Why do I need to fear? Why do I need to doubt? Why do I need... I don't. Just, let's go, Lord. It's for my good. I'm going to courageously step into it. Verse 29. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. Walk in courage because God is conforming you into the image of his son. You are being shaped into the image of Christ. He's working all things for your good. That good is Christ-like conformity. I don't need to be fearful. I don't need to doubt. I'm being made more like Jesus. 
That should free you to throw yourself to these things. There should be an excitement to do it God's way and throw yourself no matter the uncertainties. Why? Because this is a Christ-conforming moment in my life. Verse 30, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You can walk in courage because God has declared you righteous in his sight by faith in Christ. You've been justified. If God looks at you as having the same righteousness of his son, your biggest problem in life is taken care of. I don't care what happens, I'm justified. I'm righteous in the sight of my God through faith in Christ. What am I scared of? doesn't matter. How do those Christians years ago drop to a knee and get their heads chopped off on that beach and confess Christ in the midst of a moment that cowardice should have filled their hearts because they had courage because they knew Jesus Christ is Lord and I am in Christ. I, by faith, I've been declared righteous with God and I am secure, take my head. That courage came from recognizing that truth. They have been justified. Verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who indeed did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You can walk in courage because by faith in Christ, God has withheld nothing from you. Nothing. In that darkest moment of uncertainty, of fear, of doubt, God is saying, I'm not going to hold back what you need in that moment. If you question whether I'm going to hold something back, I gave you my son. I'm going to step into it. I don't know how God's going to provide. I don't know what God... He did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not graciously give us all things? I can be courageous because God will supply what I need. Not what I want, but what I need to get through that moment where cowardice instead of courage is calling my name. Verses 33 and 34. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. I can step forward in courage because Christ is interceding for me. Think about this. If we really thought about it. We ask people to pray for us in the midst of hard times. Right? I got my spiritual mother. She is a prayer warrior. She's a Spartan when it comes to prayer. There's people at our church that say, you know what? If she, she's getting older and she's stepping down from ministry roles. Just don't stop praying because I know if you're praying for us, there's some serious firepower going up. Jesus himself intercedes on your behalf. How can that not encourage you? Right? They encourage to put courage in somebody. That's what to encourage me, not to make them feel good. How can it not be encouraging that Jesus Christ himself is praying for you, interceding on your behalf? That should put a... That should just make you go forward, guys. Jesus is praying for me right here, right now. He's interceding. I'm going to do this because I know his prayers are on my behalf and they're perfect. And they please the Father. 
verses 35 through 37. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or turmoil or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for, this, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Men, you can walk in courage, in valor, because by faith in Christ you're more than conquerors. No matter the persecution, the difficulty, the adversity of your circumstances, you can persevere through them. And you will persevere through them. And you will be victorious in Christ in the sight of God. That conquering, that victory is first and foremost eternally. Doesn't mean that, you know, we're not trying to do name it, claim it. We're not saying... You're going to conquer cancer. Just name it, claim it. Cancer is going to be gone. No, you might still die. But you can conquer what sets that physical sin was trying to kill spiritually. You can have courage. You can persevere. Christ can be glorified. You can sing your death song. Lastly, verses 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This right here is really all you need. Why can you walk as a man of courage? Why can I walk as a man of courage? Why can the youngest little one walk as a man of courage? Because by faith in Christ, nothing will be able to separate you from delighting in God's love for you through Christ. You can walk in courage because God loves you. And he's a good father. Jesus is a good Lord. He loves his children. He, protect, he does everything for, to present his bride blameless. I, why, why can you be correct? God loves me. I may not understand why this thing's happening, but I know he loves me, so there's great purpose. Did Isaac understand why Abraham was going to drive a, a knife through his chest? Isaac was old enough to overpower his father, but he knew the heart of his father. If my father is doing this, there must be some purpose greater than I know. I trust him and I know he loves me and I know he loves God, so I'm going to lay down here and be the sacrifice. If Isaac can understand that about an earthly father who's fallen, we have a perfect father in heaven, full of loving kindness, who sent his son to die on your behalf, that if by faith in him you would be forgiven and redeemed, and he says, I love you. My love will never change. The same quality and quantity of love that the Father has for God the Son, he has for you. The same quality and quantity of love that God the Son has for God the Father, he has for you. And that doesn't change because God is immutable. And if the immutable God loves you with a perfect, holy love, how can we walk through this life with cowardice? That's all the courage you need. That's, that's all the source of courage you need right there. So men, you've been created to be men of courage and you've been redeemed to be men of courage. From the beginning, God created you to be so.
So step out of the shadow of Adam number one, which is a shadow of cowardice, and step into the light of Adam number two, which is full of a redeemed courage. And be the man by faith that God created you and redeemed you to be. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now in the powerful and mighty name of our Lord, our Savior, our friend, our Redeemer, our example, Jesus Christ. Your one and only Son, your begotten Son, the Son in whom you are well pleased, and the Son that you sent to die for sinners. The Son that you sent to redeem the very men in this room so that they could be the men you intended them to be. And the men that they are declared to be by faith in Christ. Help us, strengthen us, sustain us, God, by your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Word, to be men of valor. Throughout this rest of this conference, we will look at imperfect men seeking to be valiant men. And maybe we be inspired by their example, but may we see that their examples are all just arrows pointing to the preeminent one, the perfect one, the truly courageous one, Christ Jesus the Lord. Thank you for your abundant love toward us in Christ. May we respond with courageous love. May we respond with courage, not to earn your love, but in response to it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.